Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, guys? I am here with Sean, a.k.a. RGT85. What's up, man? How's it going, dude? Pretty good. Well, I'll start this off correctly. I'm uh, trying to PBR. save a few bucks so I get the PBR rather than the expensive stuff. Uh, in Manhattan, this shit is still like 10 bucks a six-pack, though. Where I... Jesus. <laughs> the good stuff's Jesus. like 20 It's insane. But, hey, whatever. Cheers. Right, cheers. I have my, my standard diet, Dr. Pepper. Pretty much if you cut me, this is what I bleed. <laughs> like, it, it's bad. Funny, back in the day, my friends used to say that about Jägermeister and myself. He said I used yeah. to bleed Jäger. That was before the cool kids were drinking. I was just the, the fat, heavy metal guy that read in a magazine once that Metallica loved Jäger. So I was like, oh, well, Metallica likes it. I have to. <laughs> this this exotic, exotic drink from Germany. And then fast forward to my 20s and, you know, everybody's drinking it. And right. So. So I'm glad to have you on. Um, it was actually uh, kind of ironic because I learned about your videos through the weird, you know, the ROM cart gate or whatever you want to call it, flash cart right, gate right. or anything. Um, and then I, I liked them. Uh, I like your content. So I figured I wanted to have you on to, to talk about yourself and tell your story and kind of introduce more people to you. Cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So uh, how did you get started in all this stuff? I mean, like, were you always just uh, an old gamer or is it like something new? <laughs> I've been playing games, I mean, since I was uh, probably three. Um, <laughs> I remember playing um, an NES over at my uncle's house, which he ended up giving me um, one Christmas when he got a Genesis. And then I remember playing the Genesis. Um, he had a Genesis Model 1 with Sonic, and I was just like, holy crap. And then um, Christmas of 93, I think it was, um, I ended up getting my own Genesis. Um, it was the Model 2 um, pack in with Sonic 2 and I remember I had a, an, another cool uncle who like I didn't really see very often and he was like here I got you something and it was Mortal Kombat and I was like yes oh. and my mom was like no 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 and I had to take it back and I she made me take it back um, to KB Toys and I had to get um, another game and for some reason in my head I was like I want to try a flight simulator game with a flight simulator stick so I got MIG uh, fighter pilot 29 and like this terrible flight stick and i never took the plane off the ground and then like six months later my mom felt bad and let me get mortal Kombat again that but yeah is so freaking funny that game was such a huge part of so many of our childhoods too i even remember a b a c a b b the blood code for the genesis version oh, of course of course yeah. you know i actually had a really strict mom and when that whole senator lieberman thing came out i actually had um i think i had found a copy of night trap you know that somebody was would sell and i had mortal Kombat. my mother was like do you play those games I'm like yeah look and she started laughing when i did the scorpion or the sub-zero ripped the spine out She's yeah like, that's a cartoon is that what people are talking about I'm like yeah she's like oh never mind that's fine <laughs> yeah she she definitely like stopped caring like after a, a while i wouldn't say stops caring but just realized that i was able to differentiate you know 
a video game from real life. Like I wasn't out there trying to kill kids, you know, in right. the playground or whatever, which well, was evidently what those games were supposed to make us do. Right. And it's funny too, because to this day, like there'll be scenes in movies that aren't bloody or gory at all, but are very real and like, you know, like torture scenes in war movies that I don't like watching at all. But to this day, I will still absolutely start giggling like a kid in the new Mortal Kombat's when, like, you stab somebody and their body explodes into a thousand pieces. Like, cartoon violence still cracks me up. Exactly. It's it's not real at all. No one ever gets the sense of that, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's so over the top. Like, you're going to punch someone and then rip their heart out. Like, okay, (laughs) no, you're not going to do that. Um, Yeah, it's it's... totally cool to do that in Indiana Jones, but not in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because (laughs) because it's a ninja. Right. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I just – I played video games just growing up my entire life, and then um, I always wanted to sort of, like, do something with it, but – I don't know. Like, I wanted to make video games, and I was like, okay, I, I hate stuff, and I'm, I'm never going to be able to figure this out. So um, I remember uh, when I was, like, 22, so probably, like, 10 years ago, um, I did, like, um, some very, very crappy YouTube videos. I did, like, two, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I actually started writing um, when I was 27, I want to say, um, for a website. So this was back in 2013. Yeah, Uh, it was a a small website called GamingTruth.com. And the only reason I got involved with it was because I had a friend um, who was a writer for there. And the owner of the site lived in a town about 40 minutes away from us who actually ended up becoming a very big um, Twitch streamer. And like he's like pretty well known now too. Um, his name's DJ Knight. I, I don't really follow the Twitch side of things, but I know he goes to like all these events like he's red carpet and he has all these followers or whatever. But um, so I just got like linked up with them and like I've always been good at writing like in school. I was good at like writing and history, but I was bad at science and math. So I was like, well, I could do something with this. And then that website, um, it was actually fun. They had it was so small, but they had so many good connections with um, developers. I remember getting like um, Metal Gear Solid uh, three 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 D on the three DS and like three copies of Resident Evil Revelations with all these extra goodies and stuff and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And you know, I wasn't making any money. It was, you know, it was all for free, but um the free games made it worthwhile. And unfortunately that, you know, we all sort of started, you know, drifting apart and um, you know, working on other things. So I ended up leaving Gaming Truth and I linked up with um a website called Nintendoenthusiast.com. And um, pretty much I just started out, you know, bottom of the barrel. And then I was like, you know, probably in eight, nine months time, I'll be on top of this website. And it'll pretty much, you know, I'll be I'll be the main guy here. And that is what ended up happening. Um, So I've been with them, you know, since uh, 2014, like October 2014, just doing writing stuff and whatnot. And that's that's really been fun um, because, you know, I've been able to do a lot of things like we're on Metacritic um on that site so like nintendo just like brown noses the hell out of us like literally every game that nintendo releases um arrives at my house so it's like awesome it's very like, cool i actually got the snes classic that way um they sent it to me like a week ago and so i've, I've had it the whole time and it's like oh this is great um but um so, so is that your main job now or is that your main hobby i guess no i mean the writing thing it, it's just a hobby um more of a 
more of a, you know, just something to do. Like it's something fun. Um, I do make a little bit of money off of it, but you know, it's nothing, it's nothing crazy. Like I still have the full time gig or whatever, uh, working. So I just don't have much time to do anything else. But, um, are you a writer by day as well or just, you know, this is no, just your passion? I, I'm a pharmacy technician. Oh. <laughs> I count pills all day and help old people and hand out Viagra. I dated one of those. She didn't look anything like you. <laughs> right? That's probably a good thing. <laughs> no offense. <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and it's a very woman dominated um, profession, but like that was another thing. Like I was just 18. I needed a job. I got a job as a cashier in a pharmacy and like three months into it, they had like three techs leave and they were like, do you want to become a tech? And I was like, no. And they're like, why? I was like, it's too much responsibility. They're like, I get a pay raise. And I was like, I'm on board. Here so <laughs> I pretty much, and there was actually a, a time period where I quit that and I was um, an assistant manager at GameStop for like eight months, but that was, that was atrociously terrible. I mean, there were some cool aspects of it, but God, that company is so screwed it's in the head. It's so funny that you say that because I know people that, you know, they like games, but they, they're just re- retail managers. I know other people that love games and just wanted to be a part of it. And both sides of it have nothing good to say about GameStop at all. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did it because I, I love games and that actually working there almost burns you out on games because it's just like, my manager, he was a good guy, but he wasn't a good manager. And there were so many nights where, I mean, we would be in the store till like one or two in the morning working on stuff that we could have done, you know, hours ago. But he couldn't delegate stuff because he would bring in, you know, his modded Xbox because the Xbox games were still coming out then. And we all had modded Xboxes because he would do that. So we would bring our modded Xboxes to work and just put the disc in, burn the game to it, put the disc out. Like, it was it was crazy. Like, it was a, it was a bit of a wild, wet, a wild, wild west <laughs> sort of situation there. Like, especially with their return policy. You didn't have to have ID. You didn't have to have anything. Um, all you needed was a signature. So it was, you know, there was some shady stuff that went down. But, you know, nothing too crazy. But I actually ended up getting robbed. Um, I had a, I was working a morning by myself and, uh, this regular customer came in, there was like two other customers in the store and, um, he was like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting this, uh, I think he was getting an Xbox 360. And of course we kept all the systems in the back. So I was like, okay. So I ran to the back to grab a 360. Oh no, actually it wasn't him that asked for it. It was another customer who was asking for a 360. Um, this other guy would just bring his stuff to trade all the time. And um, it was always loose stuff. I always assumed that he was just, like, robbing his friends or something, but it was just, like, whatever. And uh, so I ran to the back, got the 360 for the person, and then he ended up leaving. He's like, you know, I'll catch you later. I got to go do some stuff. I was like, okay. So he came back later in the day, and he had a bunch of games. And so traded him in all cash. You know, he always did cash. I was like, all right, whatever. I never saw the dude buy a game. And then I went home after my shift was over, and I got a call, and they were like, you need to come back to the store, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I go up there, and what ended up happening was we didn't have cameras in the store at the time. Um, all, of the, all of the gutted games, which is just like the actual discs, were literally right, behind, right, in, right underneath the cash register. So what he did was he reached around the cash register and grabbed a stack of PS2 games and then just walked out of the store got rid of the little yellow slips they were in and then came back. And I didn't notice it because no one was really buying PS2 games that day. So unless I'm looking through the games, you know, to, to figure out what's out there and what people are buying, 
you're never going to notice it. And so they were like, well, did you know him? Like, uh, is he stealing games and you're getting money from him? I'm like, dude, come on. I was like, oh, I the love dude... how they jump right to that conclusion. Like, there's exactly. no gray area in between. It's got to be that you're in on it. What a fucking, well, that sucks. Yeah, and so they, my manager, it was a different manager who was much better. He, better, he was like, you know, I, they want to fire you. I'm not going to let them fire you, but we're going to have to take your keys. You're going to have to go to part-time. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I'm good. I'll see you all later. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up selling a bunch of games just to stay afloat, and then I went back to pharmacy tech. Um, but as far as the YouTube stuff goes, we're, we're just going all over the no, place. No, I, I love stuff like this. You know, it's everybody's got a good story, and the stuff like that, like, it's a great story, but that just pisses me off, man. It doesn't matter what job you're working. When something like that happens... It's just, I hate when, you know, it's it's like dealing with the cops, you know, they always just jump to that extra conclusion. Yes. It's like, ugh. And it's, it's, I've learned that if you work for corporations, it's like that, because I worked for Rite Aid, and I worked for GameStop, and then I went to an independent pharmacy, and I was like, holy shit, like, where has this been, why have I not been doing this the whole time, like... They don't. They don't care. Like you have a problem, you're standing next to the person you need to talk to. Like you don't have to go through a chain of command or anything. It's it's so much better. But um, so Nintendo enthusiast had a YouTube channel, um, and I noticed it, and I was like, "What are we doing with this? We're not we're not doing anything with this." And they're like, "I don't know." And uh, I was like, "Look, we got 400 subs. Okay, this is a lot of subs. 400 subscribers. I want to make a show on here." And they're like, "Okay, have you ever made a show before? No." Do you have any equipment? No. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to get a webcam and I'm going to do a weekly review show of news. And they're like, okay, we'll give it a try. And uh, right around that same time, they, uh, the site owner lives in Canada. Uh, he met up with another guy and um, who had a little film uh, background. And so right around the same time, um, we were working on an article on the website um, because the Wii U obviously had no games. So we were like – literally just you know clawing and scratching to get content up on the site because you know it was nintendo enthusiast and um there was nothing to talk about so we ended up doing this thing called the 120 upcoming wii u indie games and so we we all it was like a group of like four of us we all wrote the article it ended up doing very well it got us a ton of traffic so this other guy that he met was like hey i want to do a video series on this and i'll spotlight the games or whatever and i'm like okay you know whatever a little friendly competition so i upload my little shitty show that has um 480p uh my audio is terrible i'm reading a script and you know it's just so awkward and this dude comes along with a fucking three thousand dollar camera filming at anc games in uh toronto canada which is a beautiful backdrop he's got all this production and lights and music and stuff and i'm like this motherfucker he's making (laughs) me look like shit and like for the longest time i hated him so much his name is jason but we're we're actually very good friends now of course but that was sort of my um entry into the world of videos i have no video background i have you know i don't know what the hell i was doing i used windows movie maker like for years like i didn't my my first like 10 15 podcasts were windows movie maker (laughs) like I, i had no idea what i was doing and it was funny because another website um started uh a weekly show similar to mine and um my parents happened to be in town and I was watching it and my dad was like, who's this guy? I was like, oh, he's from another website. He's like, oh, he's doing the same thing you're doing. I was like, yeah. He's like, what's the screen behind him? What's what's going on there? I was like, oh, that's a green screen. You got a green screen? I'm like, no. 
He was like, well, you're getting a green screen. This guy can do better than you. And so like he ended up buying me a green screen and like a lighting rig and stuff and all this stuff. And like, so I was like, well, now I have a green screen. I kind of got to learn how to edit, you know, something. So I got a program called Cyberlink Power Director 12.0, which is what I still use today. And I just went along. I learned as I went along. And um, so Nintendo Enthusiast was, was doing very well, but um, I tried to do retro stuff on there and it never did well. And um, I didn't really let it bother me. It was just kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, but I was like, hey, I want to do like something about Sega once in a while. Can I do that? And Jason was like, well, where really makes sense. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And he was like, well, why don't you just make, you know, your own personal side channel? You know, everyone else has one. I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I'll just I'll just do whatever with it. And um, I didn't expect it to, you know, go so well. But um, yeah, it's it's gone very well. And, you know, it's, it's it's crazy just how much it's grown. And like now I have like twice the subscribers that Nintendo enthusiast has. And like just it's really weird how it just exploded. It's like Ozzy leaving Sabbath. <laughs> yes. Yes. So and I mean, um, I, st- I still do videos over there, but it's definitely it's more just reviews. I'll do, you know, um, video reviews on there and stuff. And we do a weekly podcast on there, too. But mm-hmm. I've definitely shifted focus to, to my own brand or whatever. So what's RGT 85? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 85 is probably when you were born. <laughs> 85 is when I was born. Um, the channel was originally going to be called Retro Gaming News 85. Um, and then at the last second, I was like, no, I don't like that. I'll make it Retro Gaming Tube 85. And um, I remember I did a podcast when I had like 200 subs with um, – Rerez and um, Gilly the Kid, who's a buddy of mine. And Gilly was like, you're going to hate your name. I was like, why? He's like, it's too long. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna like it. It's, it's too long. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then as time kind of went on, like I started talking about, you know, P- I got a PS4. So I wanted to talk about PS4 stuff. And I was like, huh, you know, this, this retro gaming tube isn't really working out. I was like, well, let's change it to RGT85. And then I just, one day I was just like, okay, we're changing it. Bada boom. And that was it. So... It's it's nothing really that interesting. No, no, it's, it makes sense. And when did you actually start your own channel? So not the not the ones uh, the the four eighty p videos, um, like the actual RGT channel when it was Retro Gaming Tube. Uh, May two thousand and fifteen. All right, so actually, you grew really quickly then. Congratulations, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it definitely it definitely blew up like way way faster than I expected. And I, I never, I never, when I set out to do the channel, like I, I never had any like real aspirations for it. Like I just wanted to do something and I was good friends with, um, Gamester 81 and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm starting my own little side channel. Um, you know, I'd love to be, you know, able to post onto your website, you know, in a couple months with the channel gets a little following and he was just like, no, 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 dude, get on it right now. Get on it right now. We'll, we'll help. We'll get that built up for you. So he was super cool on that. And like, I don't know, like. You just learn. I, I just took like what I learned from Nintendo Enthusiast and just sort of started applying it to this. And I was able to, you know, like there's a couple of videos I did for Nintendo Enthusiast where they were like, oh, you know, you can't say that. You can't do this. You know, you got to got to change that. And I, I, I think just being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And it's all reflective of me as opposed to, you know, being on a conglomerate channel where, you know, your opinion is your opinion, but it also kind of reflects on the website. So you can't right. really do this or say this. I like having that freedom where I can just, you know, it's just me. And, you know, whether it's good or bad, it all just falls on me. And I, I actually prefer that. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more for for both sides of it. Because, you know, damn the man. Nobody wants to be told what to do. But the other side of it is, you know, I've made a whole bunch of mistakes and I've said wrong things. And the most common thing is some of the stuff I've said has been misinterpreted. And I have no problem looking in the camera and be like, yeah, I, I screwed up. But I also have no problem looking in the camera and be like, no, I didn't screw up at all. That was actually completely right. And I don't really care who's offended. So that's, right. I don't think if I was partnered up with like a, you know, a, a main corporation, that would never fly. So, and I understand too, I completely get the other side of that, but the, the freedom to just, you know, especially when you, when you really, uh, I don't want to sound super cheesy, but when you stay true to what you believe in, it's just, it's great to just to be able to just say how you feel. And it's, whatever if you're wrong you're right doesn't matter so you don't get that freedom when you have to answer somebody else you know right and i mean i i shouldn't make it sound like you know nintendo enthusiast is like you know like like the man or whatever it's definitely not a, it's definitely not a Rite Aid or a gamestop like <laughs> you know they they all understand like where i'm where i'm coming from what i'm doing they they don't want to restrict like they don't want to restrict rgt85 they want to use me to use myself to help them with other stuff. They just, um, we actually just bought Destructoid a couple months ago. Um, so I'm helping out with some back end stuff there as far as, um, like somehow, somehow, some way, I got really good at SEO and tagging. And like that's, I don't know how I did it, but like I just started noticing like my, my tags on my videos were really good. And I sort of just developed this system. And so like Destructoid's YouTube channel has like, 120 something thousand subs but like for the past year they haven't done like any real content you know consistent content or interesting content so i was like so jason who's now moved he's moved away from content creation he's actually full-time um office job more so you know doing business and stuff he'll just be like yo i'm about to put this video up on destructoid watch it tag it and then see if you could do something with it i'm like okay and like it, you know, I'm sort of breathing life back into this this channel that used to be huge and whatnot. So it, it's it's fun. I you know I don't do it. You don't see me do anything on Destructoid, but I'm sort of in the back end stuff and you know whatnot. And um, yeah, like there's a there's a bunch of opportunities coming up through that website. And I mean, I, I stick with it because I, I like all those guys. And you know, it's a little extra income, and you know, you get a lot of you get a lot of review stuff. So that's always cool too. Yeah, the the SEO stuff still baffles me because when I first started the site, I got like three months into it, um, and I was just trying to read some guides, and I had it, you know, I had it all set, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just, you know, I googled NES RGB or Super Nintendo RGB, and my site was like the first one that came up, and I happened to be at a party that weekend, and a couple of friends of friends, like SEO is their job, they get paid way more than me, and that's their entire focus, and I was telling them the story, like, I don't even really know what I did, and they asked me how I did it, and I explained to them how I set my website up, and they said, that's all wrong, that should, you should be kicked out, you, you know, that Google doesn't search like that, I'm like, well, why am I on the top of searches then? They said, well, you know, you're not supposed to put keywords. You're supposed to put descriptions. So I have no, these guys get paid a lot of money to do this. And so obviously they're right. But apparently I did everything wrong for RetroRGB.com and I get, uh, I'm high up in the hits. So I don't. That's don't all that matters. That. <laughs> See, I, I can't do any sort of, like they try to, they try to translate my YouTube SEO into website SEO. And I'm just like, oh, da, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. But like yeah. YouTube SEO, like I can nail that stuff, and like I, I it's it's it, what it is on YouTube is just repetition, 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 repetition. You want to sound 
like a broken record. You want your your title, your description, and your tags to have the same words over and over and over again, backwards, forwards, reverse them, and, and like it just works. Hmm. It just works. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about a bunch of your videos, but I wanted to specifically ask you this question and not other people because number one, you seem like you have uh, you know a great sense of humor and you're honest about stuff. But two, because I feel like you're not going to take this the wrong way. You're going to take it exactly as I'm saying it. But I see a lot of your content. Like I just watched like five minutes ago. I just watched the um, Star Fox Two thing, um, the one that you just put out today. Uh, and that that to me is like a great straightforward video. That's like hey. You know, for anybody that follows me, here's here's an update about Star Fox 2. And by the way, the SNES Classic is getting, ha- you know, it's already been jailbroken. The hack will be out eventually. And you show the steps from when you went through the NES Classic. Stuff like that, to me, is like, that's an obvious win right there. You know, you inform the people that follow you. It's a cool video. But then I always see things, like, uh, on everybody's channel, like top ten lists and stuff like that. And those are the things that always kind of crack me up because so many people nowadays describe themselves as nerds because that's the cool thing to do. But I actually am. I was always the fat dude that drank beer, listened to heavy metal, and played Super Metroid. So I don't know what the cool kids are doing. So the top ten list thing to me, like, I never understood where that came from because every person has their own tastes, right? So if my cousin Scott says, hey, Bob, you'd like this game, he knows knows what games I hate. I've known him since we were little kids. So I'm going to listen to that, and I guess when you start following people on YouTube, you start to realize who has similar tastes or not. So, like, where does the top ten thing come from? Like... How do you decide when to do the videos that that are very just straightforward and, I mean, like the, the one you just posted? And how do you, like, can you just give some insight into that? And obviously, I mean this respectfully. I'm certainly not th- slinging mud or anything. I'm just really curious <laughs> as to how this all works. So, like, top ten videos, I don't do too many of those. I've done, I've done a couple and... Honestly, I like to do stuff that sort of works and like uh, here's a great example. So I did a video. um, I was watching GameSack one night and they do the hardware pushers episode where they do just, you know, across all the consoles, what games they feel, you know, push the hardware, you know, whether graphically, audio wise, whatever. And I thought, you know, that'd be cool if, you know, I did it like by system and, you know, uh, I did one on the NES because I'm pretty familiar with the with the NES, and I I did that video. Um, it got like um, five thousand views in like two weeks, and then it just sort of sputtered out. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, that took a lot of time to make, uh, so I'm not really going to focus on those for a little while. And um, all of a sudden, one night, um, I I was taking a nap, and I woke up, and that video had twenty thousand views, and I was like, huh. And then the next morning it had 35,000 views and I'm like, huh. And now that video has over like 150,000 views and I'm like, huh, I need to make another one of these. So like I I was like, huh, let me think of a system. I was like, okay, Saturn. I know the Saturn well. So I did one on the Saturn. Same sort of thing. You know, it started out slow and then it just grew overnight. So those videos seem to do very well for me. Like top 10 videos, they don't do really well for me. Sometimes I just – I don't know. Like my video process is very, very random. Like I usually just uh, come up with an idea while I'm like driving home and I'm like, do I feel like filming tonight? Okay. What do I want to film? And I like long-term projects like hardware pushers, top 10 lists. Um, There's, I do a couple hidden gems stuff on there. Um, I mean, everyone pretty much does them. I think, I think it's hard. I think it's harder to do 
things like top tens and hidden gems um, when you're when your channel is smaller because people don't really you know identify with you they don't really know like what what you like and what you're about um, but as time goes on and they can sort of see like the sort of stuff you sort of gravitate to it makes them you know more interested in what games you really like and what games you don't like and why you like these games and why you don't like these games I think if you just you know come out but there's also the whole personality aspect. My channel is not based on well-edited stuff or, um, you know, Better you than know, mine. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, technical knowledge or stuff. It's just, it's just raw. Like I, it's just what what I think about a game and you know what what I know about it. And um, so people are able to identify with a person more so than something like a Watch Mojo, which is like you know a nameless entity that just. Um, you know, reads a script. So I think that sort of plays a part into it, you know, personality wise. I, but yeah, my videos, they just, it's just like, I'll just, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I did that video last night. I was just like, well, you know, that's pretty interesting. You know, and when you see people talking about stuff on Facebook a lot, like, or social media, Twitter and stuff, it's like, okay, well, people are obviously interested in this. If I can, you know, flesh out a video on it, I should probably do it. And then one of the things I like though, is I have a Patreon and one of the, um, reward tiers is like um people can pick what video they want me to make so that's always fun because then you know at least one person really wants to see that video and then um that makes it worthwhile and sometimes on the facebook uh page i'll do like uh an ask rgt 85 and i'll just say hey you know hit me with you know what you want me to talk about i'll pick one and i'll film a video on it so you know it's it's very it's very random I, i just i don't know but I do like doing new stuff. And the funny thing is, is like I've had like people that are like fr- acquaintances. I wouldn't say friends. Acquaintances like go after me for doing stuff about news. Like, oh, you know, nobody cares about news. Everyone does it. It's cheap clicks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you do realize like you can go to if you use my Gmail account that is tied into my um, YouTube. It's retro gaming news. 85 at gmail.com like that was the whole intention of this channel originally like i just like to talk about like new retro projects and you know stuff like um when the coleco chameleon was coming out and all that stuff and was supposedly coming out and like i don't know like i've always just i've my first video series was week in review on nintendo enthusiasts talking about the news like if everyone could do it, then everyone should be doing it. Everyone should be getting hundreds of thousands of views. Like people are just able to identify with you. I, I once had a, like a really long argument like a uh, couple months ago with an acquaintance of mine about it. And it was, it was really bizarre. I was just like, okay, whatever, dude. Yeah. See, but I mean, now once again, like I don't, I don't <laughs> like, I'm not the, I'm not into whatever the trends are, but to me, that's the opposite. To me, that makes the most sense. You know, when anybody I follow posts something topical that that has to do with something that's going on right now, that to me, there's no question in my mind. It's like, okay, well, I got a bunch of followers that like to hear what I have to say, so let's talk about it. And for me, I mean, the reason I even started my podcast, because I didn't want to do anything on YouTube. I didn't think anybody would care. I, you know, I just, the thing for me was that so many questions that I got emailed to me had to do with things that if people were just in the loop, I wouldn't have to answer the emails and I don't want to let, you know, I've answered almost every email I've gotten some, uh, even some of the ones that weren't so nice, but it's just getting a little overwhelming and doing the news, like the thank you emails I've gotten like that's 
totally what keeps me going because people are like, oh my god, I had no idea that I could do this if I didn't listen to your weekly thing. So mine's obviously on a much smaller scale, but it's still something that I, I feel is like important to anybody that gives a shit. So it's, yeah. you know, if you don't care, obviously it's pointless. But so yeah, well, I mean, that's I guess maybe the new stuff is more important to me just because being in the loop helps, you know. Well, it also, I mean, like doing doing the new stuff. You know, because I do, I do a lot of stuff on, you know, Switch stuff, and people are like, "You do Switch stuff because it's popular," and it's like, "No, I do Switch stuff because I have the console. I play the console a lot. I think it's really interesting. I like checking games out for it." And what's interesting about the Switch stuff is the Switch stuff. You you tend to get a lot of younger viewers um, and newer viewers with Switch stuff, and like. You know, some of the younger viewers, like I've had them, you know, write me letters. I had this, you know, 12 year old kid who saw my Friday the 13th review um, for PS4. And like, he's like, oh, you know, thank you. So he wrote me a le- like an actual letter. He was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, your channel introduced me to old video games and retro games. Now I'm checking all these games with my dad and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's that's cool that. And like, I remember at too many games, um, I was talking to two people at once, and it was like the perfect split. The one guy only wanted to talk to me about Switch stuff. The other guy only wanted to talk to me about retro stuff. And so I'm just like blending the two together, and I'm like, yeah, you know, the retro stuff is pretty good on the Switch. You know, there's Blaster Master Zero and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just it's just interesting how how you attract like different types of people with different types of content, and like that's something I like. It's always going to be video game related. But you, you never know what I'm going to talk about next. It could be, you know, I might just review an NES game if I want to. I might, you know, review a new Switch game. I might do a, a Hidden Gems list. Like, I like to keep it open. And I like to keep it just, you know, people guessing. And you just, like you said, you just drive it home and whatever idea pops in your mind is usually the next video that you do. Or do you have, like, a... Do you have, like, a backup list of, like, things that you want to work on? Because I have a list that's, like, a thousand pages as long as shit I want to get to eventually. But I mean... Just- like I have there's a couple things I want to do um, that like are in the back of my mind. Like I recently um, was given a uh, Xbox One S and a couple games from a viewer of the show, which is absolute insanity. And um, so I want to do something with the Xbox One S, even though I'm completely late on the bandwagon. Um, I had another viewer of the show. This this is insane. So the past month um, I had one viewer sent me an Xbox One S and like four games and a a Japanese 3DS with a bunch of games just to my P.O. box completely random in this huge, huge crate. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is insane. (laughs) And then um, I went to the P.O. box and I I had a couple packages there and I had this one package just sitting there and the guy messaged me on Facebook and he was like, hey, um, I sent you a package in a black shoe box. Did you get it? I was like, yeah, I'm going to film. You know, I, I do a show called What's in the Box where people can, you know, send me stuff. And, like, I literally just open it on camera. So you get my actual, you know, natural reaction. And, like, some people are like, oh, you're just begging people to send stuff to your P.O. box. I'm like, no, it's literally, you know, <laughs> I literally got a P.O. box because people said they wanted to, you know, send me a token of, you know, appreciation or whatever. Or send me a T-shirt or, you know, companies want to send me something and I don't want them to have my home address. Right. Um. So I was I was I had like a bunch of packages because I usually wait like, you know, a couple weeks um, to stockpile them. So it's actually like a, a lengthy episode. And I got to that black shoe box and I opened it and I, I literally had three more packages I was going to open. and I had to stop the video. I got a copy complete in box of Dragon Force on the Saturn and Panzer Dragoon Saga 
on the Saturn. And he and wow. the the letter was it was that guy who was like, "Hey, um, my name's Milton. Um, I was cleaning out my closet and I found these two games. I know you've talked about wanting these games before, but you didn't own them. I don't think I'm going to buy a Saturn, so you can have them." You know, like a, there's like a forty dollar price sticker on the Panzer Dragon Saga. And he was like, he was like, it'd be cool if you could do a review on this game. And I'm like, okay, so I need to review this game. So I've been playing that a lot the past um, couple days. I'll probably end up playing it some more tonight. But yeah, just I mean, like I don't know what to say in situations like that. Like I'm just like, ah, like it, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, I just, uh, it's, yeah, I know this is such a weird thing to say. I hope uh, nobody takes this the wrong way, but I, I take negative criticism better than positive criticism. If somebody's Same. like, you know, Bob, I think you sound like a dick. You were mumbling at the last one and you said the wrong words. It's like, all right, cool. You know, I'll take a deep breath before I speak. You know, I'll try to enunciate a little bit better. But when people are like, hey, man, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. You know, you, you pointed me in the right direction. I'm just like, uh, cool. Okay. Like, I just, I don't, like, I, I don't understand, I don't know what to do in those. I'm just like, I, thank you. Awesome. Like, I, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a great story. That's, that's hysterical. But. Yeah. Just, as, as, yeah. Well, yeah. Did you do a review of the game? <laughs> I mean, I just got it. Like, I just opened the package like four nights ago. And it's funny because my buddy, um, Wood, who has a channel named Beat 'em Ups, um, we were talking about, um, his P.O. box. And he was like, you know, all I've gotten recently was a, was a letter from Costa Rica from someone who watched the show. It was a nice letter, though. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I got that Xbox One, I, I called him. I was like, dude, you're never going to guess what I got. And he's like, what? No fucking way. And then like three nights ago, I called him. Up. I was like, dude, you're never going to guess what I got. He's like, you're a piece of shit. What did you get now? And I showed him. And he was just like. <laughs> I, like, dude, I, I don't know why. It's crazy. I don't I don't deserve this. But. I mean, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, no, that's, but that's what I mean. That's another hard thing about taking, po- I mean, that's positive response, right? It's just like, you know, of course, for you to refuse it would be disrespectful, and it's a nice, really nice gesture, and it's just, I, I don't know, that's that's all, everything about that's awesome, so. Yeah, like, it's it's crazy, dude. I, yeah, I don't expect any, I mean, if you watch a video, like, awesome, you know, you're, you've, you've done what I... You've done exactly what I intended you to do. Anything beyond that, you know, Patreon donations during, you know, live game streams, sending stuff to the P.O. Box. Like that's all above and beyond, you know, any expectations. I don't expect anyone to do any of that stuff. So whenever they do it, it's just like, holy crap, you know, this is awesome. And I, I, mean, I freak out. You know, people sent me like gag gifts, um, like a glitter bomb or something. Um, <laughs> I once got like uh, – like a Pokemon card. I'm just like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, it's, it's, I'm, if it's something free, like, I don't care, you know, how big or how small it is, or even if it's just a letter, it's like, you know, you took time out of your life to send me something for some reason, just some random guy yeah. talking about video games on YouTube. Like, I've had like three sentence emails that literally put a smile on my face for the whole rest of the day. So it's, I totally get it. Yeah, it's like, funny, though, whenever you do anything in the public eye, anything, whether you have 100 subscribers or 100 million subscribers, the majority of the people that are happy with your work just enjoy it and go about their day. And that was one of the things I tried to explain. Uh, I've been in a bunch of bands before, and one of them got to play, uh, two of them got to play some pretty big shows. And afterwards, you know, there was one band member that was like, well, what are, you know, what are people going to say? What are they going to post on Facebook? What am I? It's just like, you just 
you, you can't approach things that way. As long as you're happy with your own results, happy enough, I don't know, no one's ever really happy with what they do. Like, you just have to understand that the loudest voices are not the majority. You know, right. you got, you know, you have videos with a shitload of views on them. So you got a video with 20,000 views, you don't have 20,000 comments. That probably means 18,000 people walked away from that going, awesome video, and then moved along. You know exactly. I mean? So, you know, it's, it's any criticisms, good or bad, I always just, I'm very careful about just because I've been on both sides of that before. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I have, I've got, I just passed 7 million views, channel views the other day. And it's like, Congrats, well, I don't have, I don't have seven. Thank you. I was like, I don't have 7 million comments. I don't have 7 million subscribers. <laughs> like, what, did I do something wrong? Like, what, what didn't you like? Like, what, what would have made you stick around? But, you know, I, it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Like, you, you you never know you never know what's gonna resonate with someone and you know it's it's weird it's it's crazy though it's fun. So I gotta ask, and I hope this doesn't bore any listeners that don't do any kind of video content. But like, do you uh, what's your setup in your actual video like? Just a short thing, you don't have to go into detail. Because for me, like, I have my my setup at home for when I need to to be at home. Right now, I need to be vertical. My back's still all messed up, uh, but I also have like my video cameras just where my office are. So that my only approach to things is I I usually do an unbelievable amount of testing and research before any kind of like. Um, anything technical related, I, you know, I, I really dig deep into it. So by the time I get to actually shoot the video, I'm a million hours into it and, and really exhausted. And then I just flip on the camera, hit record, and then kind of edit in all my findings. And a lot of the times it's a little frustrating because you'll do, you know, a three or four days worth of work over the course of a month. And then you have a five minute video to show for it. Right. But like my actual production's garbage and I, I'm still working on it. I just, you know, I, I just want to make sure that that the content's there but like do you do you have a setup where you could just go home and flick a switch do you have like a do you have to go through a process where you build up your you know your your video every time you go to record one do you have to like set up your camera and everything I'm so always curious how people do that i got uh, the the master bedroom in my house is the game room mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the backdrop for most of my videos you know sometimes i have to do green screen stuff but most of my videos i just use that as the backdrop because people are always like oh what's that game what's that game you know it's a conversation so that's, that's actually being filmed that's not you in front of a green screen with a video oh, no. of your room that's just you in, in that room while you're filming Yep, I have a chair that I put in the corner there. Um, I have two um, light thingies. I, I don't know the technical term. They're like the you know fluorescent with the the little umbrella looking thing or whatever. Um, I have a Canon RF five hundred uh, camcorder that just happens to shoot ten eighty uh, sixty frames, so I just use that. I have a twenty dollar uh, no name lapel mic. Um, I have a lens. I bought a lens that's just kind of a wider angle, so it shows more of the stuff behind me. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't. I used to script a lot of stuff. Um, if I do voiceover, I don't know. And even nowadays, like honestly, it, when I do a video, I sit down and I shoot the video. Like I do it in one take. I don't script. I don't do anything. If I can't do the video and like one take i feel like i'm just not you know ready to talk about the subject or i don't know enough about the subject or you know something's stopping me like there's been times where i've been talking for like 10 minutes straight i'll flub over a word and i'll scratch the whole thing and start fresh again like i cannot stand having 
I, I cannot stand like having to splice things and like when you're watching a video and people are like it makes me nauseous it literally like it makes me dizzy as if i was spinning in circles so many people yeah. do that too and they do it for like in in like sentences like mid-sentence like hey there i'm talking about the nes today and it's like wh- wh- why are you stop it like no i yeah. i i used to script things and now like maybe if i'm doing like a hidden gems thing or you know something where it's 90 percent gameplay and it's just me talking over it. Um, it's a little bit easier to sort of script it, um, just record the audio for it, and then sync it up with the video portions. But mm-hmm. as far as if you see me sitting there in front of my games, like that's that's no script, no nothing. I just I turn the lights on, turn the camera on, make sure the mic is on, and I just go. So I've uh, I've tried writing scripts for mine, and it, it fails miserably. The best thing for me, because everybody's different, is, you know, especially I'm lucky with a weekly podcast that every segment I shoot in pieces. So if I screw up a four-minute segment, I just waste four minutes. I don't waste hours or anything. But for me, I, I, it's always better if I just talk, and then I play it back, and I go, oh, I didn't really explain that right, and do it again. But for some of the longer ones, it, t- it takes forever. But I do... I just, and this is just an opinion, but I I just feel like that anytime there's a video that's shot start to finish, regardless of if there's cuts or not, regardless if it's scripted, if I'm watching something on YouTube, especially from people that are, you know, there are some people with a, a, a ton of followers and just really expensive productions, where it's just like you said, four words into a sentence, it's the cuts and everything. It drives me crazy. Just, I can't understand how people wouldn't, especially if you're getting... If you're getting that many views and that many hits, it, it, why wouldn't you just take the time to make the content a little bit better? So yeah, and I mean, I always, I always wanted. I my my philosophy with with doing YouTube stuff was just always like, you know, do the most with the least. Like, there's no point. You know, at the time, you know, if you're getting like fifty to a hundred views, I mean, that's still great. You know, there's still fifty to a hundred people, and a, a lot of people seem to lose f- sight of that. Like. You know, they say, oh, you know, I got I only have 100 subscribers. It's like, OK, you have 100 people who put stock into what you say, who who said, you know what? I watched this person's video and I want to know more about them and I want to see more from them. So, like, I, I never understand why people get went down on that. But um, me neither. If you were standing someplace and 100 people were listening to you talk, how would you feel about that? There's exactly. no difference. You should take that very seriously. So. Exactly. So. But yeah, like I was always just a proponent of do the do the most with as little as you can. And I mean, because I never was, you know, uh, I never was really into editing and I didn't know how to edit and I didn't know different stuff about, you know, apertures and cameras and lenses and lighting and stuff like that. My whole thing was if I can't get by on my personality, I probably won't be able to make videos or, you know, I'll always be sort of stagnant. Like my whole setup now it's still only – I mean if I take the camera, the lenses, the lapel mic, and the lights, that's like $500. And like I know people who put like thousands of dollars into their filming equipment and it's just like why? Like unless that's what you really want to do, like you really want to have high quality, you know, top of the line stuff. Like I don't know. I, I would rather build an audience and then improve as I go along than you know just go balls in you know spend all this money and then you're just disappointed because you didn't get the results couldn't that agree you wanted more. 
Yeah, to be honest, the only reason I don't have a dedicated green screen setup is just because of where I live. I mean, I live in Manhattan now, so it's like, you know, a, a two-by-two closet's 5000 a month. So Right, right. You know, that's that's the only reason I have pop-up screens and I use webcams and stuff. But if I ever get back to the burbs or anything, I, I'll definitely just be able to have a little corner with a green screen and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, my green screen is, is in – this is the second – biggest bedroom this is the office and then the third bedroom which is the smallest is the actual bedroom but i have a sweet i have a sweet freaking arrangement living arrangement here like it's it's ridiculous like my rent is so cheap and the lady wants to sell me the house for like literally half of what it's actually worth because she just wants to get rid of it and, and like it's it's such a good setup so Why i not, man go for it yeah and you're uh north carolina North Carolina, yeah. I'm, so how did you deal with the hurricane? Were you okay? Because I know you had to cancel the appearance in Jersey. Dude, it didn't even hit here. The next day, <laughs> on so they canceled everything, all my travel stuff, on Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Because it was supposed to shift right up into North Carolina. On Friday, they readjusted their calculations. And they were like, oh, it's not going to hit North Carolina. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That cracks me up. Yeah, so, so we, um, you, you have it. another appearance coming up soon, though, right? You're coming to Retro World Expo, and this this time it's Hartford, Connecticut, not in uh, Wallingford, right? Yep, it's there at the Hartford Civic Center, which kind of sucks because Wallingford would have been closer to my grandma's house. So now I have to wake up a little earlier to to head out there. But yeah, um, old stomping grounds. Um, I was born in Bridgeport, um, lived in uh, Monroe. That's where my grandma still lives. Got family in Shelton. Still have family in Bridgeport. Um, Jeez, yeah, I grew up um, right off of Wood Ave in Bridgeport. So okay, I was um, Charles Street. Yeah, yeah, huh? That is, that is such a coincidence. You know, uh, Wes from Second Opinion Games um, grew up in Waterbury, and he has okay. a podcast. And he um, a lot of people, you know, will jokingly be like, "Oh, you're from Connecticut. Like, how many Mercedes do you have?" And it's like. Uh, that's not really how it worked in Bridgeport at yeah, all. No, 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 not not at all. Um, yeah, Bridgeport. We lived on we lived on uh, on uh, Charles Street. It was me and my mom, and like, dude, that that was so sketchy. I remember we we came home from I came home from school one day, and she had like picked me up, and like I remember walking into the kitchen, and there's just dude just decked out in all black, and I was like, hello, and he just like runs out the back door, and she's like, get away from him, we're getting robbed, and it was just like the Whoa. car was. Getting- Rob, yeah, like our car, like our neighbors used to like steal our car. I, I we, my mom got a new Hyundai, a Hyundai XL, and like I want to say it was like eighty nine or ninety, and that car got robbed no less than ten times. I remember so many times having to go to like the repo place or the junkyard or stuff and try to see if it was salvageable. <laughs> it was just you know, Bridgeport. Bridgeport's an interesting place. Yeah, it's a little better nowadays I hear, but Yeah, I think they, they cleaned it up a lot, but I was a kid when I lived there and it was just I mean, there were so many weird nights. Like, there was one, some random guy banged on the door. I think I was, like, eight years old or something. And he's like, oh, I know Mary. Can you let me in? I know Mary. And my grandmother, you know, some mustache Romanian lady was just like, no, get out, get out. And I'm like, Grandma, but he knows Mary. Who's, who's Mary? And she's like, I don't know, get out. <laughs> yeah, see, we're, we're Italian. So, like, you know, we. I remember we moved out of there. And my mom got remarried and we lived in like one of those houses where it was like three levels. So on the bottom level was my grandma's sister. 
um, who was like probably 60 at the time, just a short little crazy Italian lady. We lived in the middle level. And then on top of the, on the top level was, um, the, uh, my grandma's sister's daughter and her family. So it was just like, you know, we had Portuguese people live next door to us. They had all these chickens and stuff. It was Bridgeport. It was just, it's an, a very interesting melting pot of different types of people. Like it, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I just I remember visiting a friend on East Main Street one time. I had a a '79 Camaro that was just as big of a piece of shit as could possibly be, where it still actually moved forward. And like you know, I, I'm going down, I'm blasting Megadeth, and I pull into my friend's house, and he, they were talking about the guy that just got robbed, like you know, down the street. And I was like, oh man, should I tone it down? And he's like, no, they're not looking to rob you, Bob. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> A 79 Camaro? No. They're looking for the dude with a Honda with the tints and, you know, the, the blacked out taillights and the rims. They're, you're fine. <laughs> you can just leave your windows down and drive home as slow as you want. <laughs> so, yeah, I, have, I, I, I haven't been that. to Bridgeport in a while, though. I might, my, my time is very limited. So, like, I'm, I'm making it a family trip. My, my mom lives in Florida. I live in North Carolina around no one. And all the family's in Connecticut. So I was like... Ma, we got to go to Connecticut. I'm not going. I'm not, I can't go up there by myself because they're they're crazy. You know, you have to go up there. You have to be the buffer and you have to, you know, set up everything. And she's like, all right, whatever. And so I get up there Thursday. Um, I'm taking the train. My cousin's husband is picking me up from Penn Station, mm-hmm. driving me into Connecticut. And then Friday – my uncle is giving me a mysterious vehicle. Like the whole time I've been bitching. I'm like, I need a vehicle while I'm up there. If I have to rent a vehicle, that's fine. I'd rather not, but just let me know. My grandma's like, no, you're not getting a vehicle. Wherever you need to go, I'll take you. Or James will take you. Or grandpa will take you. I'm like, I'm 32. I can <laughs> navigate by myself. I think I got this. No, 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 no. So my uncle all of a sudden tells my mom, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, the the one who got me into video games. Um, He's like, yeah, yeah I, got a, I got a car you could borrow. She was like, what car? You know, you have your SUV and your wife has whatever. He's like, oh, no, I got a third car. And she's like, a third car? Where is it? I've never seen it before. Oh, I keep it at a friend's house. Yeah, he's he's like, taking the license plate off of one of his main cars <laughs> and putting it on that for you. Good luck. So I, I just have some random Honda Accord. So Friday, I'm going to spend some time with the family. I'm going to go over to um, uh, Retro Games Plus over in Orange, um, which is a store there. I know the manager, uh, Russ Chris is a, Chris is such a good guy. He, yeah, uh, Chris, he helped yeah. me out so much when my website started. Uh, I think he's got three now, Norwalk orange and, uh, the one on the Berlin turnpike. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the orange one I think is the biggest. So that's definitely the store to go to, by the way. Yeah. And my grandma lives in Monroe, so I'll be staying in Monroe. So, you know, it's, it's like 15, 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday drive up in the morning, Go up to Hartford, spend the day up there, you know, at the event. Drive home. Sunday's family day. Monday, I go home. So it's just like fuck. I took I took like a Tuesday and Wednesday off of work, and they're like, "Well, when do you get home? Monday night." Like, why are you taking off Tuesday and Wednesday? I was like, "Cause I need a vacation." Why well, aren't you going to see your family? I was like, "This is not a vacation. This is this is a nightmare. <laughs> like, it's all constant eating and food and Italian music and Frank Sinatra." <laughs> I once went up to Connecticut, and my dad and my uncle picked me up from Penn Station. My train was late because I hate flying, and my train was late. We didn't. I didn't get in till midnight. We ended up stopping at uh, Yonkers. 
uh, at the casino there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We play, we gambled till gambled. I got freaking hammered. It was like two thirty in the morning, and so we're driving to Grandma's house. And so my dad's like, "Look, you know, I know you're you're pretty drunk right now. You just try being quiet. You know, just just go in your room, talk to her in the morning." I'm like, "Okay." We get to the house at two thirty in the morning. And literally, I'm like, why is there a light on in the kitchen? She's got a full meal prepared, doesn't she? Jesus Christ. Oh, We got the pasta. What do you want to eat? Look at you. You haven't eaten in a week. Too skinny. Sit down, sit down. I'm like, why are you up at 2.30 in the morning? Go to bed. Stop cooking. And then at 5 in the morning, same thing. Oh, wake up. You want some food? Got the pizza free, the bacala. Jesus Christ. That's awesome. That's so funny. Whenever you have any, like, uh, ethnic American families, it's the same story. Mine was, like, uh, Greek-Romanian-ish. All my Italian friends have the same story. All my Jewish friends have the same stories. It's just, it's absolutely hilarious how that shit works. And then you have the families that are, like, you know, ten generations America, and it's just like, you made it, knight. Yeah, (laughs) boring white people. Like, (laughs) you need some spice in your life, Jesus. Right, exactly. Throw a pepper on that. You'll be better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what other, uh, like, what other events or anything do you have coming up? Do you have anything other than Retro World Expo? Do you have, like, uh... I think Retro World Expo... I, I might, like, do a, a local Comic-Con. I did it as a... Here, here's a funny story. So, I did a, a Comic-Con panel last year, um, for a local Comic-Con in, uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, um, my panel was at 5 p.m. And I was like, okay... I'll just get there later in the afternoon. And the event organizer was like, no, 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 no. Uh, can you be there at 9? I'm like, 9? I'm like, yeah, I guess. So I was like, do I really need to be there at 9? like, yeah, yeah, just get there at 9. So I got there at 9, and, like, they let me in, and the, the show didn't open until 10. So, like, I walked around. I literally bought, like, two games because there was, like, three video game vendors. And then everything else was, you know, Comic-Con stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about comics. I don't do comics. I don't do anime. I literally only do video games. So I remember at 1030, after, you know, 30 minutes that they'd been open, I went and sat in my car and I was just, like, smoking a cigarette. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm making it till 5 o'clock. I'm just gonna go home. I'll make up an excuse and say I got sick or something. I cannot <laughs> fucking do this. And luckily, um, a YouTube friend from Wilmington that I had never met, but um, which is down by the coast, mm-hmm. um, he wanted to go to it. And and so he ended up coming up there and then that made it more bearable. So I, I made I'm not going to go as a guest. I'm, I might just pop in there. Um, there's another event called Super Famicon in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is also local to me. Um, I may pop in at that. I, I don't really understand. Like, it started as, like, a Smash tournament, but now it's, like, a Nintendo-related conference thing. I, I still don't get it, so they kind of need to clarify. Uh, but, yeah, as far as, you know, this year, um, that's probably going to wrap it up uh, is Retro World Expo. I wanted – there was one um, in Syracuse. I forget the name of it. Um uh, retro something or another. It's, it's a pretty sizable con. Um, that was they wanted me to be a guest there, but I've been taking a lot of time off of um, work to like go to different conventions and stuff. So I'm I'm quickly running out of PTO. <laughs> so yeah. it's like uh, I got to kind of limit it here until at least the uh, next year when it you know relapses. So gotcha. Now you mentioned um, Smash tournaments in your area. Is that something that's kind of big in North Carolina, or is it just smatterings here and there? It's, uh, I guess it's 
big enough to where they can host like a con based around it because um like i said like i'm pretty sure that that is what the whole con oh see now they've changed it so now oh god and why is this three days (laughs) why is this con three days so okay last year was their first year evidently and um so they um this is their second year and they've they've gone from one day to three days and yeah they're doing friday saturday sunday um but yeah smash brothers um i guess not because you know like i said this was originally a, a smash contest that's been relocated but no i mean okay so i went to um southeast game exchange in um august which was in uh south carolina mm-hmm. and they actually had a whole room dedicated to smash brothers um it was at a hotel and me and um scott squatch were like the, the special guests or whatever and i'm like nobody's nobody cares about us nobody's gonna come see us but it actually ended up being a, re- a really fun just one day event like really really good um but they had like a whole room dedicated to smash in the hotel and it was always pretty busy i think smash is just you know universal and it's funny because i don't really get into smash like i don't it, it's too much of like a twitch you know twitchy fighter for me it's just like eh, i don't know it was never my favorite i enjoyed it but it was never like you know if, if i have a limited time to play a game that's not going to be one of the ones i picked up no no disrespect yeah. to the the guys that love smash just to oh, no. own, you know and there's like so many little intricacies and like you know like these people like know the actual damage like what it's going to do before it even happens like the percentage and it's like okay no 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 you're too hardcore for me intense (laughs) yeah i'm I'm always curious about that because growing up i mean around bridgeport we had you know uh, we had the trouble mall you know the the fye arcade and then i think there was one on main street down there which uh, i only went to a few times and then it was just like your local pizza place, you know, my, right down the street from me had a Mortal Kombat machine and everything, but it was never a huge crowd of people. And it wasn't until just recently when I moved to New York where I started going in, like in Brooklyn, there's just a huge gaming scene. And it's neat, and it's kind of strange, because you look online and you see 50 people, and whenever, you know, there's a camera in the back of the room, 50 people doesn't look like a lot, and then you walk in the door and it's like jam-packed and, you know, elbow to elbow, and everybody's really into it. So I was just wondering where else in the country is there like a, a scene like this? You know, obviously a lot of it has to do with population. You got seven million yeah, yeah, people, sure. all, you know, all in a closet, then it's going to be more there. But yeah, I was always curious about that because I, I I enjoyed that stuff a lot more than I ever would have thought. And it's weird, you know, you try to say something like, "Oh yeah, well everybody in the same room is all into the same thing. You know, everybody's gunning." You know, I guess the if people are into sports, they would understand the reference. But if people aren't into sports and haven't been to like a football game or a baseball game, it's really hard to explain that that weird feeling when you know everybody's into the same crap. So All right. Well, I mean, this was a blast. Thank you so much for doing this. Do you have anything? Did I forget to ask anything? I'm pretty sure I covered everything I was uh, I wanted to. I asked. Uh, the only thing I wanted to make sure to get was your uh, the latest con appearance, which we got. So I think we covered all grounds, right? I did. I did just find out that the place I was going to eat pizza at in Bridgeport is no longer there. Which place? Pizza Time. Oh, really? On Madison Ave, dude. That was my spot. That was my spot. I used to go there because when my mom got remarried, 
Mm-hmm. Um, my real dad also lived in Bridgeport, and we all just lived in Bridgeport, and we all got along. It was, it was kind of strange, but um, so like I would go to pizza time with literally my stepdad and my real dad, and like they all knew the owners there. And it looks like they've closed. That's Aww. that's that's so depressing. I wanted to go eat there because I love their food. Um, but yeah, no, I think we covered everything. I think. Um, Look, yeah. I got to do this, and I know everybody that's not from Bridgeport doesn't give a shit. But did you ever have a donut from Paselli's Bakery? Where was it? Uh, it was off of Madison, and the donuts were like this big, and they were filled with jelly, and it was the greatest. When you bit into it, before you even swallowed, you could feel your arteries hardening. It was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I don't know if I did. Oh, yeah, they closed. They closed like 10 years ago, but that was... I just remember, like, from the time I was, like, five years old, and I, like, I held one in my hands like this to the time, you know, I was old right. enough to drive there myself. It's just, like, I've never had a donut that tastes like that before. I'm convinced they just filled it with whatever is the worst things <laughs> in the world for you. It just pumped it into your veins. It was awesome. So. Well, at least Massimo's is still in Bridgeport. Yes. That's good. I used to, I used to eat at Massimo's. Okay, yeah. so, so now I'm not too sad. I can, I can go there. <laughs> All right, sorry for the Bridgeport. It's a weird thing. If you didn't live in that city, it's a very weird camaraderie of, of strangeness. But, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I feel like that's a perfect description of Bridgeport, by the way. A weird camaraderie of strangeness. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, uh, that is perfect. <laughs> All right, man, well, thanks so much for everything, and uh, I'll keep watching your videos, and, uh, you know, I'll definitely let everybody know whenever you have something relevant to the retro stuff posted, and, you know, yeah, I'll, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure, bud. Thanks right. for having me on. Take care, man. All right, you too.